Hi, this is Eddie Deason. You're listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall. I was Mandark in Dexter's Laboratory. Ha 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 ha. You are listening to Breaking the Fourth Wall on Realm of the Mist Entertainment. All right. Yeah, don't forget to hit record. No, no. The nice thing, the nice thing about Zoom is it actually tells me when it's recording. Hey, what's yeah. up, guys? Chris Rastali here for another Breaking the Fourth Wall. Guys, there's huge announcements coming to Realm of the Mist Entertainment. I will be announcing that very, very soon. In fact, probably this weekend will be the, uh, the official announcement of some of the big things and changes that are going to be happening. But that's neither here nor there. Here at Breaking the Fourth Wall, we have another chance to sit down and have a conversation with not only a podcaster, but this man is a movie director, an actor, uh, terrestrial radio personality. Am, am I missing anything else? Mr. Don Smith. <laughs> uh, uh, stand-up stand up comedian and uh, part owner of Wiley's Comedy Club in Dayton, Ohio. So. <laughs> I hear he's got his fingers in gynecology too. I mean, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, I, as often as I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, first and foremost, I we were talking about it before I hit record, before we started uh, started the show. Uh, I do, I do want to offer. I don't know, congratulations or condolences on on what you were telling me about uh, your impending divorce. I guess it depends on how it went. <laughs> oh, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little weird right now. Cause basically we've been, we've been separated for some time. And basically I just, I just told her like a couple days ago that this is it for me. I've tried as much as I can try and there's nothing going forward from here. Mm. So yeah, it's, uh, we're right at that. We've been separate. She moved out of the house a little over a year ago. Oh wow! And it's just been—it's been back and forth and back and forth ever since. And then just finally, it's—I just—I just—there it gets to a point where it's like I've had enough. We can't do this anymore. I don't want to play. I'm taking my ball and going home. <laughs> <laughs> Get the hell out of my sandbox. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> being being a person who is happily divorced as well, I, I feel your pain. Um, it's sad, yeah, well, it's sad to say because I was a person. This is number two. Oh, okay. So, so this, this is number. Yeah, this is number two. So there's. I don't think there's going to be a third. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be a hermit. I'm just gonna sell my house and live in a cave at the end of town. I'm not. I'm just not even trying anymore. <laughs> as you can tell, I. As you can tell from the hair, I'm just. I'm just not even trying anymore. <laughs> well, I always knew about the beard, but the hair I thought might have been just like you know COVID. Yeah, <laughs> but that's that's how it started. <laughs> that's how it started, and I just said the hell with it. It's staying. I like it. <laughs> now my my uh, my fiance uh, used to go to school for for hair and stuff like that. And uh, during the COVID crisis, I was getting so annoyed with my hair. I'm like, I don't give a shit anymore. Here, just here's a pair of clippers. Give me a damn crew cut. I need this hair gone. <laughs> you know, but. Uh, now, anyway, neither here nor there. So, how did you even get started in this? But let's get back on on track with your career. Like, where did it begin for you, and why so many different avenues? I don't really know. Uh, basically, uh, well, well, we'll start with acting. That kind of got that had the earliest start. I was okay. uh, I was twenty five years old. I was actually. Uh, 
that's about when my first marriage started to hit the rocks. That was been, that's been a while back. And, uh, I was looking for something to do. I didn't have anything going on. And I was, uh, I was actually looking for a job at the time. I was looking to switch jobs. And as I was looking through the newspaper, there was an ad for an upcoming audition with Dayton Theater Guild. Okay. I had never done this before. I'd never, not even in high school, drama club, anything like that. I was not the kind of person that would do that. Right. So that just... For some reason, it just struck me that sounds like something different to do, you know. Because when you when your first marriage is failing, you you kind of flail a little bit and say, "Okay, what new thing can I start doing?" <laughs> so uh, I went to audition, and the neat thing was, uh, of course, local theater. It's all like a family; everybody knows everybody, and I was the odd man out because I walked in there. And I have, uh, of course, a director, stage manager, they're all asking me my acting experience. And I was like, well, I, I don't have any. They said, well, even high school. It's like, nope, still none. I got nothing. And everybody that walked in after me, because of course it's theater. So I show up 15 minutes early and have to wait 20 minutes late for everybody else to come in because right. they're actors. And uh, <laughs> everybody That's that came late. in... Yeah, everybody that came in knew the director, knew each other, knew the stage manager, knew everybody on a first-name basis because they've all worked together for years. Right. And I thought, what the hell am I even doing here? There's no way I have a shot at this. I mean, these, these people do this all the time. They all know each other. I'm a nobody, never done this. But uh, oddly enough, a couple days later, I get a call. They offered me, actually, I think it ended up being a total of seven parts including wow. the uh, including the offstage narration because what, was, it, what the, was the show the, the play was called uh, epic proportions and it's kind of it's kind of a spoof play like on the old uh, the old uh, 10 commandments those type of huge epic movies with okay. the monstrous casts and all the you know millions of extras it was kind of a spoof on that because basically you had two main characters and everybody else played like five to seven characters. Okay. So that was kind of how I got started. And we actually opened, it was, this was 2001. We opened like the week after nine 11 oh. of 2001. So <laughs> for a comedy, for a spoof comedy. So it was, time it was different. Good. It was a strange feeling, but, uh, but I, I got bitten by the acting bug and I kept, I just kept doing it. I did several other plays and uh, the thing with theater, it's a very time consuming endeavor to where if you're working an off shift, there's no way you're going to be able to do it. And I got stuck in a third shift job. Then I got stuck in a second shift job. So it's been, I think the last play I did was in 2009. Okay. And I miss the hell out of it. I really do. Cause that, that's where my heart is. And that's kind of how I got started with stand up comedy okay. because that way I can write my own material, memorize it on my time at shorter sets. I can go up and do it when I'm able to, rather than something where you have to set three months of your life aside where every, you know, every time, every minute you're not at work, you're working on this play. Right. And uh, that's, I got involved with comedy uh, a little over six years ago now. And again, the way that happened, it was just, I was working to finish my uh, bachelor's degree. 
and because I went back late to finish and I went to I went to Wright State and they actually had it was a bachelor's degree in English they had an English class that was titled comedy writing and I thought well that'll be fun you know I have a good sense of humor I think this will be a blast for me and I get in the class and realize that it's not just comedy writing it's actually the full title of the class is the basics of stand-up comedy okay so I thought okay this this will be different (laughs) That would that, that and, throw me off because when you when you said the title comedy writing, the first thought I'm thinking of is how to how to be able to write something like Police Academy, not necessarily writing, right exactly uh, stand up set yeah yeah that that's what I thought too when I signed up for the class and it ended up being the basics of stand up comedy and I thought okay this will be fun anyway I'll do this I've been mm-hmm. on stage just I don't really. I mean, I won't say I don't have nerves going on stage because I sure as hell do. Even doing it for six years, I'll get nervous as hell before I go up, especially if it's been a while. But uh, the the final exam for that class was actually a four-minute set at the Dayton Funny Bone. So that's... That was that was my first set that I ever did was four minutes at the Dayton Funny Bone, which ended up doing really well. And after that, a couple... What's that? What, 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 I got to ask, what was that like? Because again, you know, for people that follow the show, you, you, you know my history. I'll give a, a quick abu- uh, abuse just for Mr. Don Smith to give a reason for the question. I've been in front of live crowds. I've been a mu- uh, musician since I was 13 years old. I've been a, a pro wrestler since 1997. You know, I've worked in front of crowds. I know how to perform in front of crowds. I know how to work a crowd. I will not lie to you. People have told me numerous times that I should try stand-up comedy, do an open mic night. They think I would kill at it. I am scared to death of it because there's something so naked feeling about being on stage by yourself. How was it for you doing that? Uh, It was, honestly, it was terrifying until I started doing well. When I first went up, you know, the, the first show I did, of course, was a date and funny bone and I did pretty well, but I had basically months that I was in this class working on material right. and testing out material. So it, it went pretty well. I was nervous going up, but of course this was also a lot of people from the college that were there from Wright State University were there to, to see their friends, you know, to see this show. I had a couple of my friends there, so it wasn't, it wasn't a real show. Right. My first real open mic was actually at Wiley's Comedy Club in Dayton a couple weeks after that. And uh, it, that was a little more nerve wracking because this was, to me, the, the one at Dayton Funny Bone wasn't a professional stage because it was set up by the school as part of a class. Right. Okay. So my first real open mic was at Wiley's and I was, I was terrified. Because even doing theater, I would get state. I, I would get really, really nervous, really anxious before I went on, until things started to click. Right. But I, I'm never more terrified than thirty seconds before I hit that stage. I mean, I'm the most terrified I've ever been to go on stage. Was it was a minute before. I was supposed to go up. I was, again, I was back at Dayton Funny Bone for back when they used to have really good open mics. And I was going up, 
I'd been doing it for about six months at the time. And everybody, the advice you get from every comic is don't do all brand new material. There's an idea of, of hammocking new material in. You have something good on either side, and then you have the new material in the middle. So that way, I didn't like land. that. Land. I was getting ready. I was getting ready to go up on stage with 100% brand new, just written, untested material, Ooh. and I was a nervous wreck because a friend of mine who had been performing for about three years said he was going to go up with brand new material. And when he got on stage, he chickened out and did his old tried and true stuff. Oh, so man. I'm already terrified because it's kind of, it, it's not a really uh, giving crowd. I mean, they were okay, but they weren't really into anybody at that point. Which is weird to me. Who goes to a comedy club not looking to laugh? Yeah, at, <laughs> more people than you would think. <laughs> <laughs> But the fun thing is, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, nobody's done really spectacular. You know, I've been doing this for six months. If I go up and do halfway decent, that'll be fine. At least I'm following, I'm not following somebody that's killing it. Right. Because you don't want to be buried, especially when you have brand new material. Right. Because there's a, there's a good chance you're going to forget stuff. There's a good chance you're not going to do well with untested material. Well, about, Two minutes before I'm getting ready to hit the stage, the guy that the guy in front of me is up there already, and uh, Megan, who was the manager at uh, Dayton Funnybone at the time, she came up to me and said, "Hey, I have a late entry. Is it okay if this guy goes up in front of you?" And I'm nervous, so I'm like, "Well, yeah, that's fine. You know, I yeah. send him up because right now I'm terrified." So this guy goes up there. He's blind, and he's missing an arm. Wow. And he is hilarious. Oh, no. He's destroying this crowd. Oh, no. So I am just, I'm like, there is no way in hell I can possibly follow this guy. <laughs> so that, that was probably the most terrified I've ever been before going on stage. I was at the point, if Megan had walked past, I would have grabbed her and said, I can't do this right now. There's no way I can go up there. I can't. I, I'm out. But... Fortunately, she didn't come by, and I hit that stage, and to this day, that is one of the best sets I have ever had. Nice. I think having all that anxiety, all that nervous energy just pushed something extra out when I was up there, because I did the same material later. It hit, but not like it did that night. That night, there was something in the air when I went up there, and that, that's that's why we keep doing it through all the really bad audiences and all the really bad shows. We keep doing it for that one little moment where it's like, everything's perfect. <laughs> well, it raises a good question. And again, with, with having no personal experience in, in, in stand-up comedy, uh, I got to imagine as nerve wracking as it is to begin with, when you wind up in one of, uh, in front of so many hostile crowds, how do you know it's, you know, how, how do you discover, the difference between the fact that it's just a hostile crowd or bad material. Like how are you able to determine that a joke didn't hit because it wasn't a good joke or the joke didn't hit because the crowd's crap? It's, I try not to ever say it's a bad crowd. Even if it's, I can use material. I've been in crowds that yes, hands down were bad crowds, <laughs> but 
I mean, you, you can turn one around if you, if you hit the right note with them. Right. You're, you're just going to have bad shows. And when you're starting out, you're probably going to have more bad shows than good shows. And it's just, I don't, I mean, I can't even really say what drives me to get back up on stage other than I just, I want to do better than I did last time. Even if I just had a great set, I want to do better next time I go up. And I mean, I'm taking a little break from it right now. I haven't been up since January, but you know, COVID and everything I'm right. <laughs> kind of forced me to take a little, a little hiatus from stand up. But, uh, well, what, what's, what is your style? Like a lot of people have different comedy styles. Like, uh, you have the offensive comedians, like, uh, like for sake of argument, Andrew Dice Clay. And then you got the more family oriented. I don't mean family in a sense of like they're clean and friendly, but like their, their comedy is usually like talking about their families and then, or, or, or stuff like that. But, you know, I'm thinking of like Jeff Foxworthy for an example, Right. you know, so you got your offensive comics, you got your blue collar comics, you got your more family oriented internal comics. Then you got your prop comics like Jeff Dunham and, and Carrot Top, obviously, yeah. you know, who use, who use uh, that. What type, of, what type of comic style are you up on stage? Like, what kind of stories do you like to tell? It depends. Now, I, I've had some great jokes that are just silly observations that I built things around. But probably the past year and a half with everything that's been happening in my personal life, I've really tapped into a lot of that and a lot of anger. Okay. And that's another, that's another reason I kind of wanted to take a break even before COVID is because I was getting to the point where I would get so angry and worked up on stage that it would take me hours to calm down once I got off stage. I mean, to the point where it, it was toxic. It, would, it felt toxic doing it. It was, but, it was more ranting and raving than, than great right. comedy, yeah. Right. But I mean, there was still, there was still good material. There was still good laughs, but there was just a a lot of, a lot of pain in what I was doing. Right. But I, I've done a little bit of everything. I've done strictly clean comedy for probably the first year and a half, two years that I started. I remember, (laughs) I remember the the first time I did a, a set that was somewhat dirty uh, for me at the time, I mean, I've gotten a lot raunchier afterward, but I did, a, I did a set. I was back at Wiley's and uh, Mike Canistero and Joanne Viscop were running the show for the, the open mic. And I can't even remember what the joke was, but it had something to do with, with uh, sucking a dick. Yeah, okay. And I got off stage after that set and Joanne runs up to me because that's the first time they've ever heard me tell an off collar joke. Right. And she comes running up to me. Did you just say suck? I, <laughs> I was like, yep. Yes, I did Joanne. <laughs> but I mean, I don't work blue a lot, but I don't want to hold myself to just strictly being a clean comic. It's good to be able to do both. But well, no, that, that, that's good. But I, I mean, like, you know, again, I'm, <laughs> I, I say this like I know what I'm talking about. I don't. You know? I don't know what I'm talking about either. It's all right. <laughs> I, my, my, my envisioning of even attempting comedy personally is, uh, and, and what usually makes me funny in, in, in podcasting or in my personal life is being able to play off of others. So I couldn't even imagine going up by myself 
to try to make people laugh without having somebody there that I could play off of. Usually something you say will trigger uh, uh, a comedy response out of me as opposed right. to me writing a joke. You know, uh, my, my, my humor can be very sarcastic. Um, so I, I, I don't even know, like, like, uh, have you, have you tried improv or anything like that? Cause improv, <laughs> I mean, that, that could be fun for somebody that's quick thinking like that. I mean, no, I've never tried improv unless you count podcasting. Um, well, yeah, that's, that is sort of an improv. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> listen to our after hours show. You can see my improv skills. Yeah. <laughs> Let's let's do let's do uh, penis cosplay with uh, with one of our guests. Yeah, we'll we'll dress his dick up like Ronald McDonald and the balls like Fry Guys. Yeah, <laughs> that was that that's about the extent of my humor. It, it's very potty. You know? <laughs> I never got out of third. Well, I, I've I've been in a lot of open mics and heard a lot of dick jokes. So it's a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's, what's, that... funny, what's funny to me going back going back to what you were saying. How do you transition to, to stand-up comedy from from uh, from stage when they seem so two di completely different world? Even though you were doing kind oh. of comedy satires on 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 stage, as I assume from from your story, I don't know what other ones. Maybe you did some drama. Maybe, oh, maybe I, I, I have I've I've done some drama. I haven't done musicals, but I've done some drama. I've done that. I mean, of course, most good theater, even drama, has comedic elements. Right, and you always as an actor you still have to have that timing and that's you know that that that's kind of where but i've always loved stand-up comedy so it's always been something in the back of my mind i wanted to try mm. and then of course not being able to get up on stage to perform in theater that kind of drove that a little bit more and i think that's that's the main reason once i took that class it's like okay i've been wanting to do this anyway now i'm going to be forced so <laughs> <laughs> now I got no choice. I guess I won't drop this class, but uh, yeah, that that's uh, it's been a lot of fun. I, I've done a lot of shows. Uh, of course, I've bombed a lot. I've done a lot of really bad shows. I've <laughs> I, I always like to talk about uh, the Chapter Bar in Fairborn. This this was the third time I was ever on stage. Okay. I started out. I did the set at the Dayton Funny Bone. Then I did my first open mic at Wiley's. And then I did my first bar show at the Chapter Bar in Fairborn, Ohio. And I did well at Wiley's. I did pretty good at the Funny Bone. The only thing I remember distinctly, I don't remember hearing laughs at the Chapter Bar. The only thing I just distinctly remember is the drunk little old lady at the bar just going right in the middle of my set as loud as she could. My God, this is awful. <laughs> oh, that, that was painful. That was, a, that was a painful learning experience that I don't know if I didn't have shows already booked after that because I was so new. I don't know that I would have gone back on stage for comedy. That could have ended it right there. Wow. <laughs> you, hear that, Granny? You, would have, you would have destroyed somebody's dream right there. Oh, yeah. I mean, because it, it's a painful thing. You know, I, I've had, I've done theater shows that weren't well attended and they didn't get great responses, but it's nothing like when you're going up there and, and pouring your own 
material your own, laying your own heart out, your own personality on stage just to have it rejected that soundly. <laughs> I kind of I kind of have a similar story. It's completely different, but I have a similar story that that uh, that I know what you're talking about. Um, and it was ironically at a bar. One of the things I used to do as a musician uh, to test new material uh, sometimes when I got in good with, uh, with, with some DJs that, that would work bars that, you know, do karaoke or whatever, is they would let me sing my own demos. So that was something that always worked out in Colorado. And it usually was very, very positive uh, for my last band, Disillusion Purity, because it, it generated interest for them and it gave me extra practice time with the songs. Even though I was a songwriter, you know, gave me more time with the songs to find out what would hit with a crowd, what wouldn't, uh, you know, right. where I could play with the lyrics and, and the performance. That was great. Well, years later, after I stopped being a musician, uh, I would still go to karaoke nights uh, with, with my fiance. And uh, we got in good with the DJ. And the DJ one night wanted, uh, for the final performance of the night, she wanted uh, me to do one of my songs. And I didn't have the demo. She's like, I don't care. Do it acapella. I said, really? She said, yeah, this is the final night. Cause the bar was closing. It was, it was going out of business. Yeah. Uh, she said, uh, you know, do it, do, do it acapella. I don't care. So no band, no nothing. I get up there and I do one of my songs. I did a song called All Things Must End, which is a very somber song. And, uh, but it was the only one I thought that would fit acapella. You know, I couldn't do like, you know, Broken Angel or, or Mental Masturbation, which really kind of rely on the music, <laughs> you know? So I thought I would do All Things Must End, and I, I poured my heart and soul into it. And there was like these three or four Valley Girl-style girls, you know, the ones, the <laughs> ones that listened to fucking, you know, Britney Spears and fucking One Direction and shit. And they're heckling the shit out of them. I've got other people in the bar saying, will you shut the fuck up? This guy's pouring his heart out for you. They were horrible people. Like, they made me question whether I was a decent writer. Yeah, people can get rough. People can get, can get just downright harsh. Now I, I've seen, I mean, I've seen comics. I mean, Luke Capasa is a, a friend of mine, local Dayton comic. Well, he started out, he was over in uh, England for a while and there's actually a viral video of him on YouTube while he's on stage in England, I don't even know what he was talking about that was that offensive, but a woman gets up, walks on stage, and dumps a full beer over his head. Oh, shit. And walks out. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, people can people can get nuts, and then sometimes you don't know what's going to offend them and set them off. Are I you was doing – I was – doing a clean show recently and one of the things i love doing with clean shows and i used to love doing this when i did the live radio shows back before covid and we could actually do the live shows right i love to tiptoe right on the line of decency <laughs> i did a clean uh, i was hosting for for a comedian that was at, that was in that wiley's i was hosting that weekend for him and they wanted me to be clean and a clean show, I was able to unnoticed sneak in a joke about abortion and a joke about squirting. Which kind of together. What's that? Which kind of goes together. They can. They can. <laughs> 
But I was I was able to sneak both both of those in, and I had the the headliner of that show came up to me afterward, and he said, "You are deceptively filthy." <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got I've got to hear the joke now. Like, how how were you able to fit these in? How, do you remember? Uh, well, <laughs> it's been a long. I don't. I haven't been on stage in so long. I can't even remember a lot of my material. But the uh, the abortion joke. It goes along the lines where I'm, I'm talking about how dirty my house is and how poorly my my uh, wife kept house. And at one point I say, there is so much DNA in my bathroom that I won't even let my wife shower in there unless I'm sure she's up to date on her birth control. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> because, you know, the truth is we haven't been getting along too well lately. And the last thing I want is some mutant shower baby running around and, <laughs> state of ohio's got that damn uh what what is it that that heartbeat bill i we'd have to keep the damn thing (laughs) (laughs) the first time i told that joke it was the first time that i got half of the audience groaning and the other half laughing hysterically that was a beautiful (laughs) moment (laughs) that that was yeah that that was we were trying to see who was pro-life and who was pro-choice on that show but yeah that one I was able to sneak that in, and they they were they appreciated it. I got good laughs on that one that night. There's and a, the other one. There's a comedian. There's a comedian that 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 reminds me very much of a, a comedian I absolutely love named Stephen Lynch, uh, mm. singer comedian. Yeah, I know. And, I know. I have a couple of his albums. <laughs> the, the song "Ugly Baby," where he where, yep. he, where he does the Sid <laughs> joke on it, and the crowd's reaction. He's like, "Fuck you! It's not. It's not. It's my fucking baby." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sudden infant death syndrome for people who don't know what SIDS is. Uh, right, that, right. That, that's kind of what, where my mind went when you were talking about the mutant child and the uh... <laughs> <laughs> that, that damn mutant shower baby. Yeah. Now the other one I managed to sneak in. It was I do a I had a bit that was about uh, uh, online dating, and I I uh, had this uh, I was I was looking through and I, you know her, her profile said she was an entertainer. I'm a comedian. I thought, well, we're going to match up. And then she shows up for the date in full clown makeup and costume, <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking, how desperate can I possibly be? Uh, so we end up back at her place and, uh, you know, I go through this whole bit with everything she's doing. I, and then just out of nowhere, I go, and she was a squirter too, which I don't, I mean, it was just seltzer water and I got the bottle away from her, but I still thought it was rude. <laughs> <laughs> So I was able to get. <laughs> I get that. I was able now. to sneak that into a clean show because it's just seltzer water. <laughs> but I'll tell you, I'll tell you what though, like that was funny. That was funny, but I'm kind of disappointed because when you said clown and went back to the room, the first thing I expected was her making balloon out animals out of a condom. <laughs> that, I go there. I go there because that's that. That's how. That's kind of how I end that bit. I was like, uh, you know. Uh, she pulled her pants off like eight more clowns came out. And oh, I'm thinking I'm not doing anything without protection. I don't want to catch something funny. You know, the oh, problem is every every time I pulled out a condom, she just turned it into a balloon animal. <laughs> I didn't get I didn't get lucky that night, but I went home with about a dozen little red red rib rib rubber puppy dogs. You know, you <laughs> I was gonna say they were giraffes, but I'm a white boy, and you know I'm full of shit. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. So, yeah, I went all over with that one. But, yeah, I was able to sneak both of those in during a clean show. And I, I was proud of myself on those <laughs> ones. 
that that that's classic right there but uh <laughs> i want i want your comedy album um all right so now now we've gone from from stage to comedy and now we transition from comedy to to director well we'll go with radio i i actually haven't directed i act in a lot of movies i produ- i've produced a few okay produced but I, I haven't gotten into directing yet all right so how do yeah. how do we go from live performance into into film film and then radio well, again that's just that as i'm starting back out in the comedy and i'm starting back out and you know start i i did one film back in i think it was 2006 was the first one i ever did this was back when i was doing theater okay uh that was called the monster's mind it was a student a student film it actually did it did the uh the film festival circuit and did okay but never really got much anywhere and that was all stuff that got put on the back burner until i started performing comedy when i got back in when i got into comedy i started acting back into film I made a few connections at a few auditions. I uh, started working with a couple local comic, or not local comics, local filmmakers. Henrik Kuto, I've been in a handful of his movies. Uh, people that are good, that are horror, low budget horror films would probably, fans would know Henrik. He's done uh, uh, Babysitter Massacre. He's getting ready to turn Babysitter Massacre into a, uh, a trilogy, I believe. Okay. So he, he's working on some more of those, and he, he's been featured in like Fangoria magazine and stuff. But he did a Western, which is how I got back into film. He was doing a Western called Calamity Jane's Revenge. Okay. And I, I played a cowboy that got shot by Calamity Jane while he was uh, taking a leak. He was <laughs> she she pulled it as he's going to the as he's doing his business she comes up and pulls his own pistol out of his holster and I turn around and yell her name and she shoots me dead so that was my <laughs> that was my reintroduction back into film uh I got to be shot by uh, the lovely Aaron R Ryan who played uh, Calamity Jane. I think she's killed me in a couple of other movies since. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I die in a lot of things. <laughs> but I, I was in a few with Henrik. Uh, I did a, uh, another Western called Western World, which was filmed in Dogwood Pass. They turned that into a series later on called Dogwood Pass, but I didn't get okay. to reprise my role, unfortunately. But uh, Western World is still out there. I think you can still find that on Amazon. I started working shortly after that with a director named William Lee. And I've gotten to the point where a lot of his films I'm now producing. Uh, we just, well, they, they've re-released a couple, but the, the one that we were most proud of for a while was called Six Feet Below Hell. Okay. He had a deal He had a deal with Redbox and uh, Six Feet Below Hell spent over two years available on Redbox. It was actually popular enough. They kept it in the in the Redbox for over two years. Wow! And it was it was a lot of fun. It was a zombie movie. Uh, the character I played in that movie's name was Reggie, and Reggie. Uh, I mean, it's been out for you know like three years now. They're getting ready to re-release it, but so a, a spoiler isn't going to be too bad. Uh, Reggie was supposed to die originally. Thank you. What happened, it was it, one of my, one of the reasons I love independent film is you have to roll with the disappointments as they come in. Right. There's always, 
there is so much that can stop filming that you really have to do everything you can to keep going. Uh, the night before we were supposed to be on set for the first, uh, for the first weekend, my character that I was cast as wasn't due in for three weeks, but the night before the first day on set, the guy playing Reggie originally just decided he didn't want to do it. He was quitting. He wasn't going to be oh, there. Wow. And Reggie's scenes were filming that next day. So of course the William, he, he starts, he puts a rant on Facebook about it. So I get a hold of him. I say, well, Hey, go ahead and put me in as Reggie and recast my part. You have three weeks to do it. That way you don't have to rewrite anything and we're good to go tomorrow. So I stepped into the role of Reggie, which was, it was a lateral move pretty much because Reggie was going to die. My character was going to die. So it really wasn't a step up. Right. Until later. What happened? <laughs> we got to the set the next morning and we couldn't get in. We were locked out of the movie set that we were supposed to be on. The guy that was supposed to let us in was passed out drunk inside. <laughs> That was me. So, <laughs> so we couldn't get into film. So we're scrambling. About two hours later, we find a new location and we move everybody to this new location. Well, we get there and the problem is Reggie's scenes were kind of dependent on being at that other location. So we had to ad lib. My entire first two scenes as Reggie was 100% unscripted. Okay. And there really wasn't a whole lot of, this is who we want Reggie to be. From what my take on what I saw of the script was he was a little bit slow kind of country boy. Okay. I played that up to Reggie was really out there. And he was demented and twisted. As well as being a slow country boy. So I really went off... <laughs> We were looking around because the first scene that I'm in, I have to come in and I have to disable three armed assailants that have my daddy tied to a chair. And we're looking around and he's, he's got all these guns and all these weapons that, that he brought on the set. Well, we're filming in somebody's house and they just happen to have a croquet mallet. Oh, geez. Sitting right there. So I'm like, I found my weapon. <laughs> <laughs> so reggie's first scene he goes running in with a croquet mallet just swinging like crazy knocking these guys out they have semi-automatic weapons <laughs> <laughs> so that was we had so much fun ad-libbing those scenes and doing unscripted reggie that william actually rewrote the ending of the movie to bring reggie back and have him kill off one of the main bad guys. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, it was that ended up being a lot of fun. But I think Six Feet Below Hell, I think you might be able to find that on Amazon still. Uh, this past year, uh, Black Mamba just got released. Uh, they just released The Goocher, which is another uh, horror movie with, uh, directed by William Lee, Cinema Lexicon Pictures. Uh, we also, they re-released one of the first ones I was in with him. It was originally called Three Knee Deep. They just re-released that one under the name of King Killer. Uh, they also, a couple months ago, they released Burning Down Babylon, which was originally, that did a short run on Redbox, but they were a little scared of it. It was okay. originally called um, 
uh, straight out of hate. And the premise of that is kind of eerily familiar. Uh, basically, there is a group of vigilantes that has a list of um, uh, crooked murdering police officers uh, that are actually mm -hmm. on the take. They're crooked. They go out and murder people. And this vigilante group has a list of these guys. So they're going out and picking them off. At the same time, there's another vigilante group that sees this happening and uses it as an excuse to just kill police officers. And it gets to a point where these two groups start battling each other because the one has a legitimate thing they're doing and the other is just using it for anger. So it's really, it's still timely. This was actually made three years ago. Right. And it's still timely. They just, they just released that uh, titled Burning Down Babylon. And that one, I think, uh, the way it's shot, it's very grainy. It's very almost found footage kind of movie of this. And it, it's that one I thought was really interesting. So I have a lot of fun movies that are out there right now. I just, I just had a movie idea listening to you. I just had a movie idea pop in my head just because of the way we look. Playing, <laughs> off, of, playing off of that one uh, that you were saying a little bit there, I can almost see us doing a biker movie. Mm. But here's, here's, here's the uh, premise, like, Think of Sons of Anarchy, except instead of being gun runners and, and drug dealers MC, it's a, one of those like Christian MCs or oh, law enforcement <laughs> MCs. But here's the, here's the rub. Your character and my character, we don't realize it's not a 1% crew. <laughs> so we're patched in go. and doing wrong things for charity, <laughs> charity clubs. <laughs> <laughs> That's there how my go. mind works, people. No, um, <laughs> So, that's all good <laughs> you know but again you know like uh going into the film and it, it's amazing to me that you went into stand-up comedy you went into film and you went into uh on on i don't want to use the term broadway but for lack of a better term right uh, you know into plays into into uh theater on on stage theater thank you that's the term i was looking for i was struggling for it really was Proving that I could play a good Reggie, too. There, um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, with no prior background for this. Like, yeah, you, yeah. you, went, to, you, went, to, you went to night school, for lack of better Pretty much, yeah. You know, for, for stand-up comedy. Well, but as far as, like, film and for, for uh, theater, you never had aspirations to be a, 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 an actor. No. How hard was it for you being going through the processes that a lot of actors go through after going through training to be theater actors or, or film actors or and actresses? And I don't want to exclude anybody, you know, um, for you to just walk in and be able to do this, like was was how hard was it for you? Surprisingly not. I, I have been very fortunate. I, one of my first directors I worked for was just a fan. He was fantastic uh, theater director, uh, Saul Kaplan, Kaplan. I've worked with him on a couple of other ones. Uh, I, I've been really lucky. I've worked with a lot of actors that don't mind coaching you. I've worked with directors with a lot of patience. And with acting, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, we all act every day. <laughs> if you have a real job, you're not going in there as the personality you are around people that you don't work for. True. You know, I'm, I'm an HVAC tech by trade. I'm an HVAC tech electrician. I'm a plumber. 
I'm one of those essential guys that had to work all through COVID-19 in medical facilities of all things. So, okay. uh, I mean, I, I've just, I've always, I don't know that I have a natural talent. I just, I've been able to pick up a lot, uh, working again with, with a lot of great actors and a lot of great directors. And that makes a huge difference because you just, you learn everything you can from them. And I would say, as far as my work in film, I think Reggie was the first time that I've been on camera and really let myself go. Right. When we were doing that ad lib stuff, and I, I've done some acting classes, I've done some improv training, I've, but this is all later on. This is after I was already doing it. Right. But I mean, I, Reggie, for some reason, I was comfortable on camera that day <laughs> and I just I got it was it was funny to me to be able to get in this in this guy's head and okay who is Reggie and really just kind of okay he's this idiot and that's who I decided <laughs> to be for that day I was like yeah I can do this but that was really the first one and I, I've been I play angry a lot because angry is really easy right <laughs> But no, I, I've just, I've been really fortunate to work with a lot of good actors, and a lot of good directors that have been, that have helped me through. Because one of the things, if you start in stage, you have to act different when you're on stage than you do when you're on camera. Because when you're on stage, I mean, there are people way in the back that can't see your movements. They can't see your facial expression. So you make bigger gestures. Right when you're on camera, you can get the same effect in theater where you're going like this on camera. You can just, you, you get the same effect doing that. So it's just a lot, it's a lot more subtle. And when I first, my, when I first started doing film, there were many times I, I've had directors that tell me that you have to take that movement down. <laughs> <laughs> you have to chill. This isn't the stage, but yeah, it, it's just, Working with a lot of great people is what's been very, very helpful in everything I've learned as an actor. Well, now, now we step into the, the final realm, <laughs> radio personality. How did this come about after doing acting and stage and, 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 and stand up? What, where, where did this natural transition go to, to radio personality and, po and then podcast? Well, what had happened is, uh, again, I, I was, I went back to uh, finish my bachelor's degree kind of late in life. And, uh, while I was working on my, my English degree, that's when I was performing comedy. I was starting to do movies again. I actually wrote two novels. They just aren't published yet. I need to go through and edit them eventually, but they've been sitting around for about four years now. How you got <laughs> <asking> about that? <laughs> but, but while I was while I was doing all that, I had started doing uh, performing stand up, and I was meeting a lot of really cool comedians, a lot of really nice local comedians that I wanted to stay in contact with. Okay. While I was working a full time second shift job, plus you know, plus I was uh, in school full time, you know, sixteen to eighteen credit hours, working my ass off for both directions plus trying to do comedy anytime I could right well Wright State University had a radio station WWSU 106.9 FM if you were a student you could start a show you <laughs> had to do a semester of training on it and then you were free to go 
So I thought, well, I have all these comedy contacts. I don't want to lose contact with them, but I can't get on stage as much as I'd like to. So I decided to start a weekly radio show and bring some of these comics in. That way I could get to know some of them better. I could meet new ones, you know, and the whole time we're just having fun on the radio. Right. So that's what I did in, uh, oh, wow. Uh, January of 2015, January 9th, 2015 was the first time I ever went on live radio. And uh, yeah, with my own show, I did an interview uh, a few months before that, but uh, okay. this was the first time I'd ever done my, my own live show. And it was a disaster. <laughs> uh oh. We, we got there, the show was at nine in the morning. And I got there, the door was locked. Nobody gave me codes to get in. Nobody wow. was in the studio. My guest is already there. My guest was at the time was the manager of Wiley's Comedy Club. So I scored a, a fairly important guest for my first show. Right. And can't get in to even start it. Oh, no. Finally, I'm making calls. I finally get somebody there. We start the, uh, what was an hour and a half show at the time. We started 40 minutes late. Oh. <laughs> oh I, I could remember how to go on the air. I could remember how to go off the air. I could not remember how to play a song. Oh. So we didn't even take a break. It's like, we're just going to go. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not singing. Let's just talk. So we did the whole show just talking back and forth. And I think it was the third, the third, because I went through my training, but then you have a whole month off before you start your actual show. So I forgot everything we went through in the training. <laughs> it, it was a, it was, yeah, it oh, was a man. scrambling nightmare. <laughs> but about three or four shows later, things started to smooth out and it just, it got to be a little more fun and we kept doing it. And, uh, I graduated uh, in the end of 2015 or uh, middle of 2015 and I started going back to work on a, on a master's degree that I never finished because other things happen in life, but I kept the show going. And then when I was working on my master's, I ended up dropping out uh, because of Wiley's, which is a whole other story, <laughs> <laughs> but we got, uh, I talked to uh, the, the general manager at the station at the time, liked my show. Right. So even though I wasn't a student, he let me keep doing my show. They just had to have a student produce my show for me. Right. So that the Patrick entered into it, the producer Patrick, and he's been so much fun. I love he's the one I love watching squirm as we tiptoe along the FCC line. Because, uh, of course, an FCC violation, they can get fined thousands. They can even get shut down. And hey, <laughs> there are certain things you can't say that don't make sense that you can't say them. For example, you can say the word ass perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. You can say the word whole perfectly fine, but you can't say asshole. Yep. Can't put them together. So two of my guests and I, while Patrick's in the studio, who's our producer, we're having a discussion on how many words have to fall between ass and whole before you can't say it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked over at Patrick. I said, can I end a sentence with one and start a sentence with the next? 
can I say I'd better get off my ass? Whole Foods closes in a few minutes. Because <laughs> <laughs> technically it's a different thought. It's not the same, you know. So we we love to really screw with him like that and just keep him going. That that's a lot of my fun of doing a live show. Did Steve Joyner ever tell you the story of how I launched After Hours? Because it's funny you mentioned this. I, after the show, I've got to send you the link. Um, I th- I think he's mentioned something about that. I can't remember exactly what it is. <laughs> I started the comedy show After Hours because Breaking the Fourth Wall used to be on RadioCastFM.com. And it was a, at that point a roundtable discussion show. Normally we're talking about movies. And uh, because of the fact that, that we were on radio and he wanted to keep it family friendly, uh, we had to keep it PG. So I would have to pre-edit everything, you know, take out any curse words and anything. One particular episode I sent him, uh, we went off. And I think it was because we were discussing the 2016 Ghostbusters movie, which hmm. you can imagine how badly we were going off. I have so, not watched it. <laughs> three, quarters, three quarters of the, of the you know, the, the show was edited. You know, beep, 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 probably more beeps than words. Wow. Well, they aired the show, and I guess I missed the word. Uh, <laughs> I missed the word twat. I, I could say it. It's the word twat I missed. And some Karen called the station, flipping shit. I had to give a public apology for for offending her. Yes, on air, wow. I had to give a public apology. <laughs> so I sat down with a meeting with the other members of Breaking the Fourth Wall over Skype, and we got it in our head to uh, to record the meeting. And uh, the meeting proceeded me telling them that I had to give the public apology and we have to be more careful and blah, blah, blah which led to, do we even want to stay with RadioCast? Fuck this. We want to go do our own thing. Right. That led to, well, let's look up what words we can't say by the SEC. Because we knew the seven deadly words from right. Carlin, you know, but we didn't know the rest of them. We found out there was like 46 words you can't say. So we read all of them. And then we spent the next two hours coming up with shit that you could say. And it wasn't it was really close. Oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> purple helmeted yogurt slinger muff oh yeah, yeah you know stuff like that and i got dared by one of my former uh members who, who turned around you don't have the balls to release that i said oh, yeah i'll release it and i'll call it fucking after hours because it's after the show <laughs> so yeah. i released it called fuck the fcc and it wound up being one of our more popular episodes. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic yeah i i've done a lot of stuff similar to that i i pit, pitted the uh, two guest co-hosts together and there's a there's the reason i have guest co-hosts and not permanent co-hosts but uh, <laughs> I, yeah uh scotty mays and uh, autumn hatcher have been two of my favorite guest co-hosts i have a lot of favorites i have some wonderful guest co-hosts in but those two uh scotty did a show once well we we do a live video feed when we're live in the studio so scotty right. Scotty's a very, very well-built young man, uh, very muscular. He works out a lot. Well, he did a show with his shirt off Uh-oh. in the studio. Uh-oh. And I got a message from Autumn in the middle of his show that if Scotty's going to do a show like that, she needs to up her game when she comes on to co-host, which my response was, you absolutely do. <laughs> Please tell me she showed up and, uh, and did his show topless. <laughs> no, I couldn't get her to do that. But I, what I ended up doing is I pitted the two of them against each other. For it was it was a it was a guest co-host showdown, 
and they were competing for a, for a trophy. I actually have, if you want to see the trophy, I have some in the other room because I nice. ordered a couple of them because I thought it might be a fun thing to do to pick co-hosts together every now and then. Well, uh, do you have a minute I can go grab it? Yeah, absolutely. All right, because this you have to have to see it's part of the fun. It is part of the fun. Now, now I want to be a co-host. I want to I want to win a trophy. Uh, I, <laughs> I came from the generation that didn't get one for just participating, so I want a trophy. Right. <laughs> this is the Life Radio Show's Golden Cock. Nice. <laughs> it's a little cock. <laughs> it, it is. It is. Well, that's the funny thing. When I took pictures of it before the show to entice these two and tell them what they were competing against, there was nothing in the background, so they thought it was bigger than it was. <laughs> and I told them, I said, with all cockpits, it's all about the right angle. <laughs> you, 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 you shot that like it was going up on a sex website. Exactly. <laughs> well, all through the show, I keep referring to giving away my cock. And which one of these two is going to get cut, walk out of here cock in hand, you know, and I'm doing this whole thing throughout the show. Now, the fun thing is I had a call in guest uh -oh. who was a, uh, who was a, a model from New York, a fashion model and a runway model from New York city. Uh, okay. Dawn Maltrip. I know her was on the show. Yeah. Dawn is such a sweetheart. She is. She did not know that this was the trophy. So this whole time I'm talking about my cock and she really, <laughs> and she was too sweet and polite to say anything. <laughs> well, after she, after she gets off the phone with us, she starts watching the live video and she sees a glimpse of it and finally realizes what we were talking about. And she's like, phew. <laughs> She just thought I was the filthiest person that it would ever have a radio show. <laughs> nice. That's that's when you turn around and say, no, 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 no. The, the, the winner gets the trophy. The loser gets my cunt. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, that rough. was a super fun show. But that, that's the stuff. I like to do that on live radio because it, it to me it's all about the game of tiptoeing right along that line right. without actually going over. That's – I love doing that. <laughs> that's, a, that, that that's kind of a Howard Stern move, though, isn't it? I mean, like yeah, yeah, back, back in his earlier days when he was doing like the, uh, you know, for, for people who've ever seen the Private Parts move, uh, movie, the uh, the yeah. Pussy Willow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that, that was a fun movie, by the way. That was. But I mean, but, uh, uh, the, the way I got the podcast started is. Uh, kind of i didn't intend to do one i, I like doing the live show and i really didn't plan on doing a podcast right that's why the podcast started two years after the live radio show well the first year i was doing the radio show there was a podcaster that i interviewed on the show in the studio that we really hit it off i mean we got along great we had a blast together and he came up with the idea he's like well hey if you make me your permanent co-host I'll take your show and I'll put it out as, as content on my podcast because he was starting up a podcast. Right. So I thought, well, great. You know, I don't want to do the work of having a podcast. I'm just having fun doing the live show. If you want to put it out there, fantastic. That lasted about eight or nine months before a lot of things started to happen. Things started being said that, 
he I I would let him book guests on the show. He started booking guests that would come on to my show and have no idea who I was or that it was even my show and it, they were doing his show and I was some weird guy they didn't expect and it's like what the hell is going on, you know? Isn't that I'm great? Not, I don't have that big of an ego, but it was my show. <laughs> Isn't it great to feel like the uh, the dude at three o'clock in the morning and Denny's in the corner licking pennies and shit? Right. Yeah, you know, on your own show. But you know, some <laughs> things happen. We, uh, we, yeah. we kind of we kind of had a falling out, and that's when I decided I wouldn't have another regular guest co-host. I would just or regular co-host. I would just do guest co-hosts. And until I I did later on have a fairly regular guest co-host that would come on about every other week, and that uh, led to marital problems. <laughs> oh, so we won't she? go into that. <laughs> <laughs> how cute is she? Uh, it's Jake from State Farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It wasn't Jake from State Farm. Now, <laughs> idiot. It, it was. It was a pretty blonde ukulele player and comedic singer. So, yeah, it was. Uh, and when the, can I poke her on my show? No. <laughs> oh, I, I'm sure I can talk to her. Get her. <laughs> I'm sure but I can. Yeah, that, whip uh, up a cock, uh, a cock statue too. Well, what had happened after after I had that falling out with that podcaster, I would I went back to just doing the live show. Right. Well, I would have guests come on that were expecting this to be out on a podcast because it had been for the past, you know, eight, nine months. Right. So finally, I told myself, I'm going to start recording them. I'm going to do minimal editing. I'm just going to put something out there. The first show I ever did was two hours long, and I tried to edit it and make it really nice. Eight hours later, I wasn't 15 minutes into this damn thing, and I thought, there is no way in hell I'm going to be able to do this. So I would record a show. I'd cut the, uh, I, I had a radio intro separate from my podcast intro, radio outro separate from my podcast outro, and then I'd stick a song in the middle, and that's all I do for editing cut the end off cut the cut the beginning off put a song in the middle we're good there you go yeah <laughs> pretty much how i do it <laughs> yeah if you if you try to if you try to make everything sound perfect you will drive yourself insane mm -hmm. especially cuz i mean i'm i'm putting out three new episodes a week plus i'm going back and re-editing and re-putting out an old show from three and a half years ago for a throwback Thursday just to put more out there. So I have shows going out four days a week. Right. If I tried to, you know, with working full time, plus running a comedy club, plus everything else, if I tried to edit everything and perfect it, I'd be insane. <laughs> I know appearance wise, I already am. But no, I would actually be totally out of my mind if I tried. Well, not that now you segue into a, yet another situation like obviously the podcasting and everything else but you segued into another one you wound up full circling in the in the stand-up community to not only doing stand-up but owning your own club yes how did this come about uh <laughs> i i booked uh karen jaffe's a local comedian that that runs uh wiley's sunday comics she runs the uh, the local open mic that's at wiley's 
right which is one of the the best open mic in this area it is a just it's a fantastic show i'm not just saying that because i own the club it is it, it is it is a wonderful show we get great crowds in there to see an open mic which is rare but it it really is a wonderful show to do uh but i booked karen on the show and a couple days before the club had just changed ownership okay and I had booked Karen on the show. Well, a couple days before she had to cancel, but rather than leave me high and dry without a guest, she decided to get a hold of the new owner of Wiley's and have him come on my radio show instead. So I'm like, well, yeah, absolutely. Right. Now the cool thing is I was actually banned from Wiley's at the time uh -oh. by previous owners. <laughs> So, so yes, lifted, I, right? <laughs> I now own the club that I was once banned from performing in, which is fun just to say. But <laughs> Children, that is the absolute definition of the word irony. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I won't talk about the banning because that's, you know, water under the bridge. But the new owner came on to my show. Uh, I won't say his name because even at the club, his name is he who shall not be named. Oh. <laughs> but he was the owner and he came on and we had fun and he ended up being, he decided, we decided to have him on the radio show once a month to okay. promote the club. And of course the band was lifted. I could perform there again. <laughs> but several months into this, we, we became fairly good friends. Uh, well, there were some money issues at the club and they kind of needed an influx of cash. And he decided to sell me. We talked and I decided to buy a certain percentage of ownership in the club. Okay. And it was not a month after that happened that we found out that he was doing some things with our money at the club that he should not have been doing. He was doing a lot of things that he should not have been doing. So right. uh, he wasn't the only owner. He had two business partners that uh, let me be the fourth business partner. Well, I got together with the other two and we ended up getting him out of the picture because of activity that we probably could have pursued legally. Right. And, uh, the problem is both of the other two partners, one lives in Maryland, one lives in Florida. I'm the only one that lives in the state of Ohio. So, so much of that responsibility of everything of the club ended up falling on my shoulders. And I said, well, I own a comedy club and I dove right into it. <laughs> so, yeah. So that, that happened has been almost three years ago. It'll be three years this September. So almost three years I've been part owner of Wiley's. And, oh, wow. Uh, I, I love the place to death. Uh, it has taken a toll on me personally. That also, I mean, as busy as I've been with that club, because it got to a point where I wasn't, I mean, I, I was gone from my house from six in the morning to my regular job through the week. And usually between the radio show and comedy shows through the week and stuff at the club I had to do, I wouldn't get home till 11 o'clock at night. And I'm married. Right. That's not sitting well because I'm gone all the time. 
you know, even weekends, I'd go out on and film on a Saturday morning. I'd be at set at seven on the set at seven o'clock. Right. Well, by the time I'm done on set, it's six o'clock. It's time for the evening shows to start at the club. And they didn't finish till 1130 on Saturday. So I was gone on Saturday from six in the morning till 1230 Sunday morning. So, I mean, it was just, it was constant. It was constant. That's another reason I'm taking a break from comedy. I'm actually, I, I, Wiley's is blessed to have a general manager that works her ass off. I, I appreciate her. So Erica is a wonderful human being. <laughs> I appreciate her so much because I've been doing, I've been backing off a little bit because it, it, it got to be too much. And of course, with COVID-19, we shut down for three months. Right. And the minute that I talked to the partners and we decided on a date to reopen, I started having panic attacks. Oh, man. Just from the stress of everything that, you know, because I had three months where I didn't have to worry about it. Right. <laughs> it was blissful. <laughs> By the way, Erica, Erica, I'm going to make sure that he sends me a link to your Facebook account so you get a copy of this episode. <laughs> And I'm saying it for you right now. He appreciates you. He appreciates you a lot. That means a raise. <laughs> I, if we could, absolutely. No, she 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 does so much for the club that is just I I can't even I can't even believe how much she does for that club. I stopped in today just to change the marquee, and right. she's in there cleaning on a Wednesday evening. <laughs> so. Dedication. Yeah, she 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 does so much for us that uh, I mean I I wish we could pay her a full time salary and you know I wish we could pay her more than my make in my real job I mean I she deserves it <laughs> right right <laughs> but well, there's only so much we can do <laughs> that was that was where I was going to ask next not to not to step into your personal uh, finances or whatever. But with the the, the, the 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 DJ work, the acting work, the, the the running a club, I'm surprised you still hold down a nine to five. I I have to because nothing else pays. <laughs> I'm you know of course the, the the radio show I I'm still doing most of that for free. I did pick up a sponsor for the podcast recently, which is nice. Uh, the the acting, the film, I get paid for most of those but it's still it's not a lot because it's indie right. film it's a right. very low budget micro budget indie film uh the club it, it it makes enough money to stay open i really i don't i can't pull a salary from that because it's just not there to pull but yeah it's a, it's it's a whole lot of work and most of it has to be a labor of love because it just doesn't pay to be anything else <laughs> Now, see, you're going to make me feel terrible about asking you to be on fourth wall when it does its transition. <laughs> Great. Another thing to do. Right. Fourth wall wrecking marriages. Yeah, there you go. Well, this, this one's wrecked, so we're good. <laughs> I've already, like I said, I've already decided I'm spending the rest of my life single. I may not live in a cave at the edge of town, but I'll, uh, I'll definitely chase people off my lawn here. So. There you go. <laughs> I, I'll get you. I'll get you the dirty robe. In fact, I got one here. I'll, give, I'll give you the robe. There you go. Just sit tidy whities in the robe, you know, with the with the slippers on. <laughs> what What more do you need? <laughs> <laughs>
So what is the future plan from, from this, this going forward? I wish I knew. I, I, I'm at the point where I just, I, I just can't wait for all of this garbage that we're in now to go away. Right. So that we can get back to doing what we love to do. Because, I, I mean, I don't know really what any of this holds right now. I love do I love performing comedy. I love Wiley's. I love acting. I love film. I love theater. I love the radio show most of the time. I love the podcast some of the time. <laughs> no, I, 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 somebody asked me this a while back on an interview I did, and my answer is still the same. If I wake up five years from now and I'm able to still be doing all the things I'm doing now, that's a win. That's oh, a win for me. I, I, I love so much of the stuff I'm doing. It would be great to be able to quit my maintenance job and make money doing the things I love. Uh, it's probably not in the cards in the near future, but who knows? Some, something could happen. Something could break. All it takes is one roll to to send you off on a, on a wild, crazy quest into the blue yonder and, and, and stardom and fame and money. And yeah, I'm dreaming, but you know, if <laughs> five, 10 years from now, if I'm still able to do the things I love to do, then that's, that's good enough. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, you're, you're not wrong with the idea that, and, and, and you're, you're hitting a point that, uh, that I've said for years with the musicianship and, and, uh, and the independent professional wrestling, like, you know, the money's not there either. You know, I held a nine to five. I was a maintenance guy. I was a general contractor. Hell, the last job I did was a, I was a fence installer. Imagine yeah. how thrilling that was. Yeah. I've done it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You, you know how thrilling it is. You yeah. know, um, of course we'd love this to be our careers, but we do, this is a labor of love. And I used to try to explain that to people. Absolutely. I don't care if it's five or 5,000 people. You know, as long as you walk away knowing that you entertain those people, that's what matters. Yeah. You know, so I, I definitely get where you're coming from. But I do have to ask, since you've done this, your coworkers in your normal nine to five, <laughs> I, you don't know how much shit I would take for being a pro wrestler. Uh, <laughs> you know, oh, where's your spandex and, you know, everything uh, else. What what is the reaction to the things you do from from your your regular life people? Well, the the, the biggest I, I have a lot of people that I work with that listen to my the listen to the radio show, uh, that tune in when I go live. That a lot of people that have been to some of my comedy shows, uh, people that have seen some of my movies. I mean, that a lot of them they 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 appreciate it. it it's it's kind of fun to them to know somebody that's doing these crazy things because i mean how many how many people get to do the things we've done in life or take the chance to do them right you know because I, I talk to people all the time it's like man i wish i could do that it's like well do it <laughs> i wish i could be in movies it's well they're there find one audition for it you might get lucky I keep I keep yeah. trying uh, since since doing the uh, since joining up with SJ Network, I get all yeah. these, I get all these directors and actors. I'm always trying to get on film. I'm all, like a uh, perfect example, Bill Foster. You know, yeah. He, he, yeah. he does the uh, western. I keep offering to be the drunk guy passed out in the in the enforcement <laughs> order. Like I just make me a prop. I'll be in the film. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you you're in. Is it Pennsylvania? You're in. Yeah. 
Philadelphia. Because there, there, there's stuff in Philadelphia. I mean, there, there's always stuff going on there. I mean, you can, you can get, get to know some of the local filmmakers, invite them on your show. You know, you, you never know. You might, you <laughs> might land a role that at least would be a hell of a lot of fun for you, if nothing else. That's it. Because that's, that's kind of how I started. I think, uh, I think Henrik was on, Henrik Kuto was on my radio show before I was ever in one of his movies. Okay. And that's kind of how I got to know him. The way I got involved with uh, the movie Western World, I signed up for an improv acting class that was being taught by Lana Reed, who was who directed Western World. Okay. So three three months after I did this, uh, uh, it was an eight hour class. It was one day. I got to know her for eight hours one day, and two months later, she calls and offers me a part in Western World. <laughs> I didn't audition. She just said, Hey, you'd be good. You would fit this part. So, okay, cool. I'm in. <laughs> so you, you never know where it's going to come from. It's just something simple like that. I just wanted to do an improv class. Right. And I ended up getting cast in a film because of it that got released and put out into the world. So yeah, it's, I mean, it, if you're interested in it, I mean, in Philadelphia, especially if I can find stuff in Dayton, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can find some films going on in Philadelphia, but yeah, just, I mean, look, there are, there are always going to be, that's the beauty of Facebook is, is divisive as it is nowadays. There are film groups after film groups for cities and areas. I'm in three, I'm in Dayton filmmakers group. I'm in uh, Southern Ohio filmmakers, mid Ohio filmmakers. There's probably 20 different filmmaking groups that you can just join on Facebook in your area to where you can find out about uh, just people that want to be interviewed. I got to know a lot of directors just by putting a notice out on one of those Facebook pages. Hey, I'm looking for uh, people to interview for my radio show. If anybody's interested, you'll get some quacks, but you'll get some good directors. You'll get people that have uh, material out there. Nice. And a lot of it is just networking. That's awesome. Well, speaking of networking, let's go ahead and take this moment now to, to stop worrying about my dreams of, of future stardom that you guys <laughs> sleeping anymore and talk, and talk more about where people can find you achieving your dreams. Oh, I don't know how much is achieving, but you know, it's stuff that's out there. But uh, I mean, I always post stuff as far as the radio show, the podcast, I'm always posting that. You, you can look me up the life uh, the Life 1069 on Facebook, The Life 1069 on Instagram, uh, Facebook. I have Don Smith Comedy page. I also I'm Don Smith Comedy on Twitter. Uh, you can look up the Life 1069.com. You can find it's a very outdated. It's like four years old at this point. I haven't <laughs> updated it in a long time, but most of the links for the Life Radio Show are still good on there. Right. Uh, you can find uh, Western World. Um, Calamity Jane's Revenge, uh, The Goocher, Black Mamba, uh, Boggy Creek, The Bigfoot series. That was a series, a TV series that Henrik Kuto uh, shot. I'm, I get, I'm a featured lead on episode two of uh, Boggy Creek, The Bigfoot series. You can find that on Amazon. I think you can still play that free on Amazon Prime. Oh, there you go. Uh, there are so many of the so many of them out there right now i have i've been doing some voiceover work lately i have a uh in fact i have to 
when I when I get done here, I'll probably do it tomorrow. But I have a uh, I have to do some pickup lines for a a children's book, a children's audio book that I voiced. That's right, folks. For so, for, for people yeah. here on YouTube, people here on YouTube <laughs> watching this video right now, I want you to realize that that audio book, children's audio book. This is the gentleman that you hear. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I'm in their heads now. <laughs> you you do look like the pokey little puppy to me. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, there's you can you can find this stuff all over. I have I have a YouTube channel. I don't put a whole lot out on. I do every now and then, but uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing. An, I'm going to be interviewed by uh, Andrew Mitakaitis on uh, DATV's Gem City Tonight TV show. That's going to be fun. I was actually, I was his first guest ever. I don't know if I did. I say this already. I don't know. I think we talked yeah. so much tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Way it goes. But yeah, there, there's a lot of different places I can be found. Uh, usually, where I'm supposed to be. But. And of course, you can find you can find him on the SJ Network, yes. uh, and you'll find him right here on Breaking the Fourth Wall. Uh, not just in this interview, but uh, like I said, there's major announcements coming up by the uh, weekend. So I'm kind of giving a little bit of a spoiler, but uh, I'm pretty sure you're going to be seeing him appearing a little more often. Not not all the time, because you know you can you can see how busy he is. And if we make him too busy, his wife might hear about it, and then the alimony will be that much more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to make money doing it first. That's <laughs> okay. Well, he's working completely free for us, so yeah, yeah, and and most most places that I work right now, I, I get paid for the maintenance work. Other than that. Does that does I'm that work for lawyers? <laughs> does that work for the lawyers? <laughs> I hope. I hope. That, I hope they buy. I'm going to submit this for evidence. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, guys, you can find Realm of the Mist Entertainment uh, uh, podcast like Breaking the Fourth Wall right here on YouTube. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other podcasts. And of course, in audio format, you can find us on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. Until then, I want to thank my guest, Mr. Don Smith. Thank you so much for coming on. This was fun. This was it, it's it's been a blast. It's been a blast. Thanks thanks for having me, man. Oh, absolutely. And guys, I will catch you on the next Breaking the Fourth Wall. Have a good night. Hey guys, it's Chris from Realm of the Mist Entertainment. If you enjoyed this video, please hit that thumbs up button. Like, share, comment, subscribe. Check out all the other great podcasts that can be found on Realm of the Mist Entertainment's YouTube channel or our sister channel, Sounds Dicey Gaming, for all your tabletop needs. And if you prefer your podcasts in audio-only format, check out Realm of the Mist Entertainment on Anchor.fm, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever quality podcasts can be heard. To our Patreon supporters, we thank you very, very much. And if you're interested in being a Patreon supporter, please go over to patreon.com slash realm of the mist and just a dollar a month gives you exclusive content and helps our channel out greatly. Guys, again, thank you very much for joining us and we will see you on the next episode. <laughs>